our Impact in Life 24-7 sponsors are unique in that they help us to continue to impact one life, one day at a time. Our gold sponsors, Michelle Perry. She is the host of the Successful Diligence podcast and best-selling author of The Pebble in My Shoe. You can connect with Michelle and get a copy of her book at SuccessfulDiligence.com. Paula Cousson has dedicated her life volunteering in community youth programs such as the Young Marines. Paula believes that the greatest asset each young person has is at least one caring adult in their life. Donald Lamb, he and his wife have been happily married for over 35 years. He is the proud father of one daughter and three sons. Donald honorably served his country for over 22 years in the United States Army and retired with distinction. Active in his community, Donald is the owner and operator of Mama's Boy Event Planning and Coordinating Services. Connect with Donald at facebook.com forward slash Mama's Boy Events Coordinating. Amanda Aker, coming from a past of drug abuse, homelessness, and being a convicted felon, Amanda has broken through and was able to let the good things into her life. Amanda is now on a mission to inspire and motivate people just like you. Amanda's core message is that our past does not define us and we are way stronger than we think. Connect with Amanda at facebook.com forward slash amanda.acre2017. Our platinum sponsors, Mr. Gregory Smith. He is the author of 100 Simple Ways How to Manage a Property and Evidence Room. Get your copy by reaching out to Gregory Smith on Facebook or email him at smithg1963 at yahoo.com. Adrian Barker, she is the host of the Adrian Barker Speaks podcast, a life coach and CEO of Professional Global Etiquette. Please connect with her at professionalglobaletiquette.com. Mr. Mike Black from New Bern, North Carolina. Mike helps men throughout Eastern Carolina lead a faith-filled life. He is a compassionate leader in his church and a devoted husband and father. Dr. Nate Dunlap Jr., he is the executive director of the PRF Institute. He's the author of What's Next, Preparing for Eternity, and Don't Leave Me Like This, Inspiration to Leave a Legacy. As a 501c3 organization, the PRF Institute is blessed to be the premier stewardship-based teaching ministry that truly responds to the needs of others in the community. Contact him at prfinstitute.org. If you would like to become a sponsor of Impacting Life 24-7, it's very simple. Just visit clkingspeaker.com. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Just visit clkingspeaker.com. Good evening, everyone. This is your host, CL King. And we do come to you live every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday from the High Definition Studios here in Impactville, sitting high atop the Ruth E. Plowden Legacy Chair. And so delighted to be able to come to you tonight as we close out. This is our closeout of the work week. And, you know, to some extent, having and running your own podcast allows for some variability, but we try to breed consistency. And that's why we've done well over 200 shows. Now I'm losing. I'm not even taking count anymore because it's just it's in the flow. It's in the road, baby. We're going. And I want to thank publicly before we get started. I want to thank our VP, Mr. Gregory Smith. You guys hear his name often almost every show because he's always here now let, let me just tell you about how this set is set up just so everybody understands okay this is not uh the steve harvey morning show yet so we're not syndicated with 
million dollar donors and sponsors yet. And our team gives of their time to participate and help facilitate this show. Greg just got home from his day job, which we're trying to get him to retire from in a couple more, couple more 24 months. Is it 20 months? He said, <laughs> uh, and, and one thing that is, is certain is that Greg could have gotten off from work and come home and went to sleep. I told the team that, Hey, listen, I need to get on the show early tonight. I need to start early because I'm just wore out. I have, I'm waiting on a sleep study, just bearing my soul here to y'all. <laughs> I'm waiting on a sleep study for me to get a sleep study. Cause I don't get really good sleep. I keep crazy hours. And then on top of that, I don't sleep well. So, um, you know, stopping breathing and all that kind of stuff. So I'm tired all the time, but I'm, but I'm pushing, I grind, I, I make it happen. And Jeremiah, <laughs> he had a really hard baseball practice yesterday. Evidently they made them run like 90,000 miles or whatever. And, you know, I know sub, you know, subliminally or, or behind the scenes, the coaches are doing that to get those boys in shape. Well, you know, Jeremiah got up this morning and was like, man, dad, I'm just sore. You know, he, he had to go to school. Then he did, did all this stuff at baseball. And he's like, dad, I'm, I'm, um, I think, can I just lay home today? Can I just stay home today? And I said, brother, I'm going to leave that decision up to you. And I, I, I really did. I certainly did. I left it up to him. Um, and once you wake up and once the, the, the synapses start firing and once you get the juices flowing, you realize that if you don't go to practice today, then that could affect, you know, you down the road, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Jeremiah made his own decision. He's like, you know what, Dad, I'm going to school. And I was like, really? That's what I'm talking about. He made his own decision to go to school. And here's the, here's the message. Here's the kind of the lesson behind that is that you can't cheat the game. So though Greg is rushing in, hasn't even ate dinner yet, I'm drop dead, tired, exhausted, just thinking about getting into bed. <laughs> and I know and we know that there is no shortcut. There is no shortcut to success. There's no, there's no, well, you did all this stuff last year. You know, you celebrated your 200th interview and your 200th episode and blah, blah, blah. And people send you books and everything, but, but you can't, you can't build something off of exclusively off of what you did yesterday. You just can't. It, it, it requires a sunrise mentality that I got to punch in, you know, and, and I tried to tell Greg, look, man, go eat, relax, be with your family. Dude, you just got home. And you know what he said? Not, <laughs> That brother's been with me since day one. When nobody else was in the room, he was there. So I appreciate that. Tonight, we, we're doing something. He's going to eat some Captain Crunch. We're doing something throughout this month. As many of you know, this is Black History Month. So we're doing something, a couple things kind of simultaneously. Uh, one is that we're going to run some, some uh, episodes to give you some insights on black history. But also, we're doing a daily thing on, on that I'm using through my platform, but going to share on all of our other platforms. Uh, we're highlighting 
people who are influential African-Americans. And here's the thing. I understand that, that you know, we, we talk about those people who are long gone or have gone before us and all that, and all of that is important, and I don't want to ever lose that. But I also have thought, this is just my thought for this February, is that I wanted to celebrate and recognize those um, people who have made black history and they're still living. Like, like the history is still being written. It's still continuing. And that to me, it's like, you know, give me my flowers while I'm living. I, I want, I want to celebrate real local national people who many of you may even know who, you know, from your city or your community and, and celebrate the work that they're doing. I got people on the list. Many of them you will know who are, in my opinion, extremely influential. And they're extremely influential African-Americans. And so I'm going to be doing that. I, I've done day number three. And I'm just going to continue on throughout this month. And so historically, it won't be, you know, the, the guy who made the stoplight and all that. It, it, it won't be that for this month for, for us. I wanted to recognize and celebrate and appreciate those leaders who are continuing to make history and write history right now. So here we are tonight on Impact Life 24-7 again with your host, C.L. King. If you'd like to become a sponsor of the show, it's real simple. Just go to clkingspeaker.com. Just simple. And the, that commercial that you heard in the beginning, those are people that we do one in the beginning and one at the end of the show. Those are people who said we commit to helping you on this journey. We want to go on this journey with you. We understand that it started kind of as a fledgling idea to start a podcast. And now it, it has a major, major reach. And so people, but with everything, with growth comes upgrades and expansion, et cetera. And so we thank people who see that vision and see the things that we're trying to do and who jump on board. So if you'd like to do that, all you got to do is go to clkingspeaker.com. Scroll down to the bottom and there's the opportunity to become a sponsor. Now, we're going to be changing things up here probably in the next quarter where our sponsor list is just getting entirely too long. And so we are going to make a tab on our website for all of our sponsors. And Greg, yes, you will be. You will be highlighted this month, just so you know. But Greg put in the comments, for those of you who are uh, listening to our podcast, he says, since we're celebrating and recognizing and in the throes of Black History Month, he said he is the first certified international evidence specialist and national published author, first ever for the NBPD. That's the New Bern Police Department. Small shout out to himself. So is that the first African-American or first in general, Greg? Just so we got that clear, because that's that'll be a great point for us to point out when we do your spotlight. I'm doing spotlights for, like I said, modern day heroes. And these are people who are still writing the history. They're still making history. You understand? And I think that's important that we do that. Sometimes, you know, we 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 leave those people who are doing so great right now and carving out a path. And then we go backwards to talk about people who did that. I think we should have both of those conversations. But my my inspiration this Black History Month was to. Well, first African-American and first ever to do both. Wow. For the New Bern Police Department, first author 
and first certified international evidence specialist. See, that's why you can't get away with nothing with Greg. He that brother knows everything. He's he's an evidence specialist. <laughs> so I just want to give I want to give a little bit of we will go back for a moment and let's just talk a little bit of history, uh, the importance of Black history and why it should be celebrated, why it should be celebrated even beyond February. And and I'm I'm going to read an article to you, um, and and listen to this and, and get some insights about Black History Month. In 1925, Harvard-trained historian Carter G. Woodson, known as the father of black history, had a bold idea. That year, he announced Negro History Week, a celebration of people that many in the country at the time believed had no place in history. <laughs> I imagine when he rolled that out, that was a bit of a challenge for him. Uh, the response to the event, first celebrated in February of 1926, a month that included the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass was overwhelming. The response was overwhelming as educators, scholars, and philanthropists stepped forward to endorse the event and the effort. 50 years later, coinciding with the nation's bicentennial and in the wake of the civil rights movement, the celebration was expanded to a month by President Gerald R. Ford, decreed a national observance. So it's important. I think it's important that we understand the foundations. I give a speech entitled No Time to Forget. So, you know, though I am dealing with modern day history folks that are that are paving the way. We that's why I said we have to have both conversations, because if you don't understand your history and if you don't keep your history somewhere at a close fingertip, you can forget it. That's ask ask the children of Israel. Uh, when they had Joseph who saved the entire nation from famine and then Joseph died, the Pharaoh died and that whole generation died. There arose a new king that did not know Joseph and then put those folks in Egyptian Egyptian controlled bondage for 430 years because nobody knew. What is all these people? Nobody said nobody spread the word like y'all eating because of these folks down here. Nobody told y'all. So the history is important. Uh, since Woodson's death in 1950, the organization that he founded, the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History, now called the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, it's called ASAL with an H, has fought to keep the legacy and his legacy alive. Now, nearly 105 years after its founding, one of the organization's biggest challenges is keeping people engaged beyond February. And that, that's kind of that's kind of like been my thought, too. It's like, OK, so you sliver out the shortest month in the year to, to do this. And, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying that people move on. You know what I'm saying? They, they, and they, they hear about it and then they go and then you don't hear about it again until this time next year. That, that's usually that's usually the way things happen. And this organization is looking to make sure that it stays in front of us as a part of our everyday culture and life. One cannot discuss the African-American freedom struggle or the civil rights movement without paying attention to the white allies who were working alongside black people. Lionel Kimball said, vice president of the programs for ASAL. Uh, he told ABC News, one of the biggest issues we see, especially for those non-black folks, is the emphasis on black history is divisive, and some mistakenly label it as racist. So 
here's here's and I've heard this myself, ladies and gentlemen. I've heard, well, why don't we have a white history month? And why don't we have a you know what I'm saying? Like it like it goes on. But I love what I love what Denzel Washington said. Denzel had a bigger, a much broader impact in in why he said this director could have directed this film and done a good job. And this director could have done directed this black film and done a good job. But they don't understand everybody in the black community understands the sound of hearing the hot comb going through your hair on a Saturday afternoon, the sound, the smell, it's a culture. And, and, and so one of the, one of the, one of the areas of frustration in the African-American culture was that there was a lot of division and there was a lot of divisiveness and there was racism and there was segregation. And so that is a part of the culture of the African-American story. That's, that's just a part of it. And though we don't have to necessarily go and have a barbecue and sit around and talk about it every second, it is important to understand why these conversations on the broader scope that we continue to make sure the generations understand, I believe is important. But if we continue, he goes on to say, but if we continue to emphasize that all Americans worked toward these common goals, then everyone can see themselves as a, as a part of the larger mission. See, because there was there was a, a historian, a scholar, W.D. Du Bois, I believe, my brain, you guys know, I, I my brain is just shot. He, he discussed how African-American contributions were not included in history books and how some things have been extracted or left left out, and so he's like, well, you know, these this could this could literally do exactly what the children of Israel experience, where nobody knows about the contributions of 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 this great group of people. So the Asal organization, which holds events to promote and celebrate Black history all throughout the year, said the organization has made major gains toward promoting African-American history to a wider audience, which I feel is important. I feel like it should be cross-pollinated amongst multiple audiences. But there are still too many who only recognize black history during the month of February and ignore it for the rest of the year. That's the frustration that the organization is having. It's disappointing, Kimball said, but we have to really build on the study of black history and get people to understand the important roles black folks played in the larger narrative of the United States, right? Noel Trent, director of interpretation collections and education at the national civil rights museum said, it's wonderful to mobilize for black history month festivities, but there's no one season for it. It should be continuous. And so he went on to say that we do black history 365 days a year. Trent told ABC, we're telling the story of the African-American struggle for civil rights, for human rights, and all aspects throughout our programming and through our exhibition in various capacities throughout the year. The museum, which is located at the former Lorraine Motel in Memphis, where the civil rights leader, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., was assassinated in 1968, says it pays special attention to Black History Month and uses it as a time to emphasize educating children 
about the their black heritage, about black heritage. And 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 I think that's a very, very important and powerful thing. This museum specializes in the civil rights era, but Trent says Woodson's mission guides us uh not it guides just about all of their initiatives. So in other words, it what it, they don't want to just do a one shot deal. They don't want to just do a flash in the pan celebration or remembrance in February, but but they want it to be something that guides every initiative that they do. When Negro History Week was founded, black history was not being talked about or written about, and people were saying African Americans had no presence in history, Trent said. What they were able to do here at the museum today through our work is really amplify the historical presence of African American people. And I think I think we should be I think we should not shy away from that, okay? See because you know there's there's belief systems now in the country about what we should say and what we shouldn't say. And when I when I read this article I was like, you know, these this is not uh, this is not an attack on white people. Now, this is not an attack on or, or an attempt to continue. Be- Here's why I'm saying this, because oftentimes what we what we say is this. I've heard it. Well, those days are over. You know, I've never owned a slave. I, I, I like black people or, or whatever. Y'all know y'all have heard it. OK. And what we have to realize is is that just because that particular time period is over does not mean, ladies and gentlemen, that 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 particular time period cannot come back. Right? Just 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 because you lose 40 pounds and you look skinny today... Let you let let your guard down and we'll come back and see you in 365 and you'll be looking like Professor Clump from The Nutty Professor. It, it is important that we keep our foot on the gas relative to understanding these things to where we can collaboratively keep them as a part of our American culture. As a part of her, as a part as a part of her work in the museum, Trent said that she is frustrated that Black history tends to be ignored by popular culture uh, once February ends. Instead, she thinks Black History Month should be seen as a starting point for a larger conversation about how to incorporate Black history into American history as a whole, which I fully, fully agree with. I understand that culturally, organizations are in different places, but ideally, now of course this was written. A year ago, we would like people to be more inclusive. But if we start just doing it in February, then the next step is how can we incorporate this into other days of the year? Right. So in in other words, when it's when it's another day of recognition that that it's not just. You know what I mean? We we incorporate the contributions and the significant accomplishments of African-Americans as well as other Americans. If company schools and other organizations keep regulating the story to just February, they're missing the point of Black History Month, according to Trent. Kimball of the Asal organization said the organization has been growing uh, a number of partnerships and interest from corporate donors and organizations that aren't necessarily black oriented. And that's where you really start to win uh, 
you know, the, the narrative, hey, look, we can all do this together. Uh, as more companies look to address issues surrounding diversity and inclusion. He said the increase is very encouraging, but it isn't enough to indicate a significant trend just yet. So so we're working in the right direction. We're going in the right direction. We're we're finding ourselves getting to the right place. But it is going it is, you know, it's like you don't turn the Titanic on a dime. And so this is a Titanic conversation. Black history. And Trent goes on to say, I would just like to see companies do more, but all we can do is keep pushing and educating folks who have an interest in black history and black studies. The Asal organization picks a theme each year to bring to the public's attention important developments that merit emphasis. This year's theme is African-Americans and the vote. So in, in 2020, that marked the year of the centennial of the 19th Amendment and the culmination of the women's suffrage movement. It also marks the oh sesquicentennial of the 15th Amendment, which gave black men the right to vote in 1870 following the Civil War. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what, when you think about it, when you think about it, if you just roll back the time, just, you know, 120, 130 years, it's like, okay, our our country was radically different. Now, fast forward to today. I, I do feel, and I've talked to many of my friends, that we've come a an extremely long way. You know, I I, I thank God every day for, for the the things that we can do and do as Americans. But it is true that this is a part of our history. It's a part of our country's legacy. It it just really is. And that shouldn't that it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be offensive for it to be included. You understand? Uh, this isn't a conversation that only black folks should be having. We look at ourselves as a diverse nation. I think everyone should have these conversations about their history, Kimball said. We want people to see that their stories are valuable and that you don't have to be this intentionally or internationally renowned figure to do great things. That's I 100% agree with that, too. You can do great things and be you. You know, you could do great things and be Greg Smith. You know Greg Smith? This brother is the first certified international evidence specialist and national public author of the New Bern Police Department. First African-American to do either one at that police department. So I'm going to have a good write up for you, Greg. <laughs> and let's just let's just look at a couple. This is going to be a short show tonight, guys, because I'm giving everybody uh, some rest. I'm going to get some myself. But I wanted to cover just a few kind of why we honor this day. I mean, this month and give you some highlights of past contributors to African-American history. You guys know Dr. Carter G. Woodson, known as the father of black history. We just talked about him. William Tucker was the first known black person to be born in the 13 colonies. He was known, he was known as the first black person to be born in the 13 colonies. See, because watch this. He was born near Jamestown, Virginia in 1624. 
His parents were indentured servants and part of the first group of Africans brought to a colonial soul by Great Britain. In 1634, his parents participated in the establishment of Elizabeth City County, Virginia, which is now the city of Hampton. Ha-ha, look at that, y'all. In 1738, a group of newly freed men and women founded the town Garcia Real de Santa Teresa de Mos, Florida. <laughs> That's all one word. They were an est- There were an estimated 100 people in the town's population, just two miles away from St. Augustine. It's considered to be the first ever free black settlement in the U.S., it was abandoned following the Seven-Year War in 1763, and in 1994, it was designated as a National Historic Landmark. Mm-hmm. It is estimated that around 100,000 slaves escaped to the north via the Underground Railroad between 1810 and 1850. 100,000 slaves escaped to the north. And this is, this is important, ladies and gentlemen. This is why having a robust, inclusive discussion is important because it was a reality. 1810 to 1850, people were hiding and running, fleeing a locale for their life in hopes of freedom. I, c- I couldn't imagine. I mean, I'm, I'm here in the South and that would have been me. That, w- that would have been you, Gray. Cause you definitely from the South <laughs> on July 2nd, 1777, Vermont became the first colony to ban slavery Vermont's legislature agreed to abolish slavery entirely, and it also moved to provide full voting rights to African-American males. Y'all know that about Vermont? Education, educator and abolitionist Lucy Stanton was the first black woman to graduate from college. She completed a ladies' literary program and graduated from Oberlin College in 1850. Her commencement speech was an appeal for anti-slavery. Like, like we're, we're making a, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I've given dozens of commencement speeches and I couldn't imagine having given a commencement speech to say, can you guys please stop enslaving my people? But that's, that's really what happened, man. Allensworth is the first all black Californian township founded and financed by African-Americans created by Lieutenant Colonel Allen Allensworth in 1908. The town was built with the intention of establishing a self-sufficient city where African-Americans could live their lives free of prejudice. Kathy Williams was the first and only female Buffalo soldier. You know what she did? She she went in and uh, she posed as a man and enlisted in as she enlisted as William Cathay in the 38th Infantry in 1866. So she was a Buffalo soldier. (laughs) That's cool. You guys know George Crumb Speck, a chef and restaurant owner who is said to have created the potato chip. We need to leave them things alone because they're so good. Whatever you put in them, it's like you can't just eat one. Garrett Morgans, I remember seeing books about him. Inventions continue to save lives. He... His take on the traffic light signal 
which was patented in 1922, was the first to offer a third caution signal, which is known as the yellow light. Is it, This was patented, patented in 1922. In 1912, Morgan received a patent for his breathing device, which was one of the earliest versions of the gas mask. Alexander Miles' uh, elevator design made it <laughs> riding on an elevator safely. Previously, elevators were operated manually. I don't know how they managed to pull that off. Um, <laughs> people had to consciously open and close the doors to both the elevator and the shaft every time. In 1887, Miles obtained the patent for inventing, including a flexible belt attached to the elevator cage, allowing the doors to function automatically. He was inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame in 2007. So these, these are some amazing things people have done in inventions, sports. Um, in 2012, in the, London, in the London Olympics, Gabby Douglas became the first black gymnast to win the individual all-around title. On September 7, 1960, Wilma Rudolph made Olympic history by becoming the first woman and first African-American woman to win three gold medals. She became known as the fastest woman in the world. Look at that, man. In politics, Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated on Maya Angelou's birthday. On April 4, 1968, Angelou stopped celebrating her birthday for many years afterwards and sent King's... Uh, wife flowers every year for more than 30 years until Coretta's death in 2006. The Godfather of Soul, James Brown, performed in front of televised in front of a televised audience in Boston the day after Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. Brown was credited for preventing further riots with that performance. Yeah. Y'all didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know this till today. Hiram Rhodes reveals, revels maybe, was the first African-American ever elected to the U.S. Senate. He represented the state of Mississippi from February 1870 to March 1871. That was a short term. Before former President Barack Obama took office, George Edwin Taylor paved the way when he ran for president as a member of the National Negro Liberty Party in 1904. Things we just don't know or forgot about. Uh, did you guys know this is I'm just going to give you one more about President Obama. Former President Obama has won two Grammy Awards. His first was honed in 2005 for the audio version of his memoir, Dreams of My Father, Best Spoken Word Album, and received his second Grammy in the same category in 2007 for his political work, The Audacity of Hope. And then uh, last point, the National Museum of African American Music opened in 2021 and is the only museum dedicated to preserving the legacy and celebrating the accomplishments of the many music genres created, influenced, and inspired by African-Americans. So that would be something to be able to take in. I definitely, before my time expires on this earth, would love to go see Dr. Uh, the museum where Dr. King was assassinated. Greg, have you seen that? Anybody in our audience has? I know Tabari Wallace, who just finished the forward in my book, Who Ate My Brownie? It's I, I got to send it to you, Greg. It I I want to post it. It's so good. <laughs> I 
I said, man, that brother wrote a forward. I, I said, man, I, I wish I could just make this a Facebook post. Um, but yeah, Tabari Wallace, who is a, a special liaison to the state superintendent here in North Carolina, he um, was just there. He was he was just there at the at the museum, standing out in front of it. I mean, you talk about the the history, the nostalgia, man. The man, you're standing in a place how where time was so different. You know, you, you standing on that that pavement in that in that GPS location. Time in the world was so different, and so we're going to continue to spread love and compassion on this show we're also going to continue to make impact and we're also going to talk about impact we're also going to talk about things that are impactful to our society and i think yeah i i, I would like to go there greg that that's just something that, that's got to be done it's like that should be on your bucket list but 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 you know i want i want us to continue to be a voice and a mouthpiece for impact and so we're continue to look at my page, continue to look at uh, our Impacting Life 24-7 Facebook page and every page associated with, with what we're doing here because every day I'm going to pick a new person to spotlight. And uh, I think I already got the person I'm going to spotlight tomorrow. So, and again, when, we talk, when we're talking about Black History Month, you know, we kind of read the discussion of those that, that are overseeing that they would love for this to to, you know, kind of move beyond just a one-month celebration and us to have a conversation of including, you know, everyone should be proud and wanting their history discussed. That You should want your history included. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, if, 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 if it ever gets down to it, I, 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 want, I want to be known for the history that I created. You know, the, the things that I tried to accomplish. I don't think that's a bad thing for, for, for us to continue to leave a legacy. Well, you know, some parts of legacies are good and some parts of legacies are not. Some parts of legacies are difficult to stomach, but they happen and we, we, we grow and we move on from them. We grow better together. And so, you know, I just talked about some, some, some difficult times in our country but I don't think anybody in the audience was uncomfortable because it, when we talk about these things, we talk about them in love and we talk about them with, with a, a visionary mentality. Not, not like I got a line drawn in the sand and you know, you gonna listen to what I got to say that we never get anywhere that way. So anyway, Greg, man, listen, I appreciate you brother. Uh, you, you surely did not have to show up tonight. But I will make sure that there will be a little something extra in your check this weekend. Uh, I think we're we're going we're headed to Raleigh um, for us um, birthday celebration. I wanted to get together with our staff. This will actually be the first time we all meet in, in person. So um, I'm hoping that that you know no weather or craziness gets involved. But I'm I'm looking forward to actually meeting the people who helped me do this. And thank God for Zoom and thank God for for the virtual space. And I, I definitely appreciate that space. But man, when you think about it, there's nothing like there's nothing like seeing somebody in person. You know what I mean? There's nothing like 
being able to fellowship with them and look them in the eye instead of looking at them across the screen. Or if they get mad at you, they can take their picture down. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, if they if they don't want to be if they don't want to see you no more, or they don't want you to see them no more. You can uh, just take your Zoom picture and put put up something else. You can make people think you're somewhere that you're not with an outer space background. And but there's nothing like just some good old, hey, how are you? I'm Chris. So again, look tomorrow because I have a special spotlight for an, another current modern day influential African-American. I think I'm giving you guys a hint. Their initials are GS. So you figure out who that is. All right. So until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for all of your contributions to Impact Life 24-7. Again, if you would like to become a sponsor, it's very simple. Just go to clkingspeaker.com and you see the type of content that we create every single week you see the types of guests that we have absolutely phenomenal top shelf guests every single week and so that will not stop it's going to continue and uh we we have made <clears throat> we have made a a determination that we're not going to have as many guests as we did last season up until we get to the book because the book does take quite a bit of time. It's my first time doing it. We have staff meetings about it. I mean, like, I, I, I want to do it right, and I've never done it before, so you don't know what you don't know. But two people on our team are authors, and, and uh, Greg is a best-selling author, and I believe Paul Katrina McCain is as well. So they're helping me sludge through this process. 7-24-22 will be the book, the release of Who Ate My Brownie. No matter the adversity, you still can make it. So on behalf of our entire team, we're going to the steakhouse this weekend, y'all. And Greg Pant, <laughs> I'm teasing. I love y'all. Praying for you. God bless you. And we look forward to seeing you back here on Impact Life 24-7 with your host, C.L. King. Have a good night.